Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from Percy'sGrowRoom.com. I am Mackie from the UK, and joining us this week, we have Marge. That's right, Marge from Central Canada, Ontario, if you know where that is. And uh, happy to be here, host of your favorite edibles podcast, Bite Me, the show about edibles. Nice. And unfortunately, Monkey isn't going to be here this week for a change. You know, Monkey's here every week, but he's ill. He's got some kind of flu, cold, maybe that thing, you know, you, you don't know. He's just very ill and he's in bed, can't make it to the show today. So let's all say get well soon to Monkey and send our best wishes right. and hope that he's up to scratch. There's something going around. Me and Marjorie discussed it before the show started, you know, and I was ill last week. If you were there for the Ethan Russo episode and I'm just leaning over my microphone dying. You know, <laughs> but we yeah, made it through the interview right yeah. after Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. So that was fun. Not so fun. So I think whatever's going around is pretty global right now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so yeah. stay safe out there, everybody. You know, you don't want to get ill. It's horrible shit. Wear your but, mask. Mm hmm. Well, <laughs> well, that's controversial, you know, <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, but, shit. Yeah. Yeah, so, and because Monkey isn't here this week, we're going to have uh, Martin come and join us. We'll be talking about some news coming out of Ireland, which is some pretty, uh, I don't know, it's kind of good, kind of bad news. Martin's going to explain it all. He did a few streams over the weekend, so we're going to catch up with that. But anything yeah. interesting going on? Is there anything else to add here? I mean, it's quite a short intro because there's only the two of us, March. But what's going on with Bite Me? You got any interesting news going on on your side of things? Oh, I'm trying to think. Mm. <laughs> no? <laughs> I mean, just plugging away. I do have an interview coming out that I'm really excited about with uh, the co-founder of Rose Edibles out of California, which I'm really cool. looking forward to because they specialize in Turkish delights. Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> I love them, okay? They're so good. They're so good. And uh, the way they their approach to making edibles is just, uh, I love everything about it. But I tried making Turkish delights recently and it was, an, it was a total abject failure. It was... It was a lesson to be learned, man. You got to learn these things. Uh, yeah, and I asked him about mm. it too. And he's just like, yeah, they're not that easy to make at home. I was like, fuck, well, I should have asked you first. But yeah, oh, well. I might try it again, but. You should definitely we'll try it again. You should definitely give it a shot. Yeah. And yeah, uh, Speak in the chat there just asked, uh, no news on Bubblehawk. Unfortunately, no, we oh, have yes. heard nothing from him whatsoever. Uh, it's, we were uh, just talking about that before the show, wondering, did he say three weeks or six weeks? Mackie mm -hmm. can't remember. I can't remember. It's in one of the yeah. shows somewhere. So, and you guys listen every week. Can anybody remember? <laughs> you should do. You should do like a a, a prize. Somebody you know? can go back and find the exact moment when it was mentioned. They'll be like, they'll get like, Steve's or something. I don't know. Yeah, and if nobody can find it, we just put a Deadpool up. You know, right? <laughs> be like, yeah. on which day is Bubble Hop gonna return? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> But I'm sure he's fine. Yeah, we can speculate about where he is and all that. But, you know, we don't know where he is. He's probably just busy. And he'll get in touch when he's back, you know? Yeah. So, hopefully, hopefully. We look forward to it. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. Smoking a lot of squished stuff wherever mm -hmm. he is. Yeah, so Maybe. we got Martin waiting in the waiting room already. So we're ready to cover the uh, cannabis news and events. Are we ready, Martin? Have we done everything? Uh, I'm ready. Okay. Let's do it. 
so here we are everybody for this week's cannabis news and events we've got a few stories to be covering this week but we also have a guest on the show who is going to talk about some of the news that came out of ireland this week as well which is some very interesting stuff and that's martin from martin's world what's up bro are you there yeah what's happening Mackie? sorry about the leg but that's loud that's loud Jesus. oh shit sorry sorry <laughs> 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 it was all muffled man how are you good good yeah are we better now yeah, that's fine. That's fine. You it wasn't terribly me, loud. Yeah. You, Sorry, yeah, that, that was a Zoom set, and I've not used Zoom for a while, so <laughs> she must have been high. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, it's good to hear from you, man, because you went dark for a while there. Didn't see you on doing any streams or any videos for a while. Everything okay? Yeah, yeah, everything's good now. If I can just uh, had to take a bit of time off, focus on um, other things, you know, more important priorities and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Unfortunately, Indeed, just other things in life got in the way of the campaign. Um, but yeah, if I can, I can happily say um, that things are a lot, lot, a lot better now. Nice. Um, and I can get back into campaigning soon. <laughs> Sweet man, we should get you on the show for an interview soon when you're ready for it. But right, right now we want to talk about this stuff that happened over in Ireland over the weekend, man. Some citizens' assembly thing. Do you want to get into that? Yeah, yeah, I suppose like we, we've been waiting for this since the government formed. So like just to bring it back. Uh, we had an election there uh, at the beginning of this whole fucking COVID stuff. Is, is that still a rule if they hit the ball next? Yeah, yeah, everybody smoke. You know, he said the word. He said the word, everybody. <laughs> um, but at the start of that thing, anyway, um, we, we had an election here in Ireland. And the Green Party, uh, Ireland's Green Party, they ran with cannabis uh, legalization. At least uh, they, were hint they were indicating towards uh, an Amsterdam-style coffee shop model. So I know myself, you know, that Amsterdam it isn't legal, but they were kind of describing Amsterdam as a legalized model. So the Green Party were using that as their model. They got into government, uh, well, they, they, they got into government formation talks and they quickly let that go. So the cannabis legalization idea died away. But they're, um, how they managed to, to kind of frame it like, oh, yeah, well, we didn't completely uh, cop out on that. Um we we ended up getting the the citizens assembly on drug use where uh, was kind of what they they got then instead um mm. so that that's kind of how they sold it to their uh, their voters that look we we didn't kind of uh, betray on this one um we we kind of got this which is where we're going to get what we want but like we're finished it now and it's uh, it's not what we kind of wanted at all mm. unfortunately mm -hmm. uh, it was a great process an incredible opportunity for us here in Ireland um so, some great presentations made uh, some some great uh, points brought up um but unfortunately it just seemed like um i don't know the the, the powers that be just co-opted this towards the end there and uh, they got the the result they wanted which is to retain the status quo effectively mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it finished off as a uh, medical and this wasn't just for cannabis was it this was for other drugs they did uh, All cannabis drugs cocaine and then uh, this, uh oh, really? hallucinogenics Is that yeah what so this was looking at ireland's drug policy so that that's what i would have been looking at and like our drug policy is just all drugs um but but it was very annoying in that like the terms of reference which is basically the guidelines for the citizens assembly um it, it was incredibly restrictive um i i i equate it to if you were to be having a conversation about cars but restricting the conversation to being only about car crashes and then having a vote about you know whether you want to allow people to be able to use cars or not right. that's effectively what they restricted the conversation to just looking at the harms looking at the, those people who were uh, uh, negatively impacted uh, from their drug use 
and have a conversation about that and then vote on drugs after you listen to all of these horror stories so they didn't get the about the person who took some uh, psilocybin mushrooms and they're, they were no longer suffering with symptoms of depression. They never got to hear about people suffering with epilepsy, such as myself, who have lived a better quality of life thanks to cannabis. They didn't get to talk to people, again, like myself, who've experienced pe- therapeutic benefits of uh, compounds like uh, DMT. Um, so, like, how, how can you make an educated choice on these substances when you're not getting a full picture, like, and... The most important part of that is the beneficial side of these drugs. And because a lot of the times when we look at it, the people uh, who are victimized because of our drug policy, they're self-medicating with cannabis, or not, not cannabis, but any kind of drug, really. Like even mm-hmm. people suffering um, with, with full-on addiction, using heroin and stuff like like they're they're suffering as well in, uh, behind that. Like they're, self, they're self-medicating, they're using heroin as an escape. Because if they weren't using heroin, they'd probably just take a rope and you know, jump off the, the ledge, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, heroin, for some people, it's keeping them alive. It's, it's just keeping them from taking their own lives, which many people, sadly, do. Um, and, you know, if it's keeping them alive that little bit longer, um, it's, it's an opportunity there to save a life, really, isn't that? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to continue punishing them here in, in Ireland, unfortunately. So does that mean that the focus mostly of this whole discussion was, you said the harms of drugs? It would have been mostly the focus on drugs like cocaine or heroin or whatever then, right? No, it was all, like it was just all drugs. Um, it was just talking about, um, you know, young young people getting into um, uh, debt because of cannabis addictions and stuff like that came up. Uh, drug-related intimidation came up. Um, huh. So that, that would have been applied to all drugs. Um, they would right. have been, yeah, they would have been uh, definitely negative effects there as well of uh, cannabis being brought up. Uh, there would have been uh, Professor Bobby Smith, I believe, uh, he got to make a presentation to it. Um, there, there was a couple of presentations there made, and they really painted cannabis in a very negative light. I think Professor Bobby Smith was kind of highlighting, you know, over fifty percent of the people coming to my addiction uh, center are there with ca- with cannabis addiction. You know, it's percent. Mm. Yeah. Well. Well, that seems to be an exaggerated number, though, right? It does seem high. Yeah, but what 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 he's not talking about there is that they also have other addictions. That mm. it's not like and and when he talks about addiction, he never really defines what an addiction is. And if you were to actually listen, to, if he was to define it, he would be telling you it's just simply they're using it. Using right. it is they must be addicted to it. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So the, the definition of addiction is pretty loose then. Oh, incre- incredibly loose. And you have to keep in mind as well, some of the people going to see him would have been sent from the, the courts. E- even though he likes to say that, you know, oh, my clients don't get sent here by the courts. But quite often or not, they come there of their own volition because they have courts. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll pay for the service. Sometimes these people can afford to pay for the service, maybe for themselves or their son or daughter, because they're they're well enough enough. And then they'll get a favorable kind of outcome in the court. They go in and say, oh, yeah, we've been engaging with such and such a service there. And uh, here's a clean drug sample and all of this kind of crap. And they get off of it. Right. Which makes sense. Why wouldn't you do that? But then that inflates his numbers, like you're saying. Exactly. Well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Not an accurate picture at all. No. And, and so, he'll, he'll, he'll never allude to that fact. Like, he'll never tell the truth on, on, on that matter at all. He'll always indicate that, oh, no, they're not sent there by the courts, but... <laughs> they might have right. afterwards. Yeah, maybe not directly sent by courts, but certainly influenced by an outcome in the while they're in the court system. Yeah. So, yeah. So what happened then? I mean, they sat there. They 
essentially educated everybody before they was allowed to make their votes. And but there was uh, some dodginess with the actual votes as well, wasn't there? The way, yeah, well, uh, things they had to choose and shit. Yeah, well, on the education piece, like the Citizens' Assembly, it's been held now over the last six months, I suppose. There's been a, a, one session uh, over the course of two days, uh, over the weekend, um, once a month uh, for the last six months. Oh, so right. there's been a lot, lot of effort there to um, educate them, provide them with information about the drugs. But again, they, they've completely uh, excluded any therapeutic benefits. And and even they, they've actually excluded, like, say, somebody like that, uh, Professor Carl Hart or... or um, Professor mm -hmm. uh, David Nutt from the UK, somebody mm -hmm. like these experts to come in and actually uh, inform the citizens about these drugs and how they actually work and the real dangers they're posed to the individual from the drug, just exclusively from the drug, not not even talking about anything else before that, um, just just the drug, and then going on to talking about you know the people then who would be at risk of developing drug abuse from these drugs because no, nobody ever really talks about that. They always just think that. There's the drug and everyone is at risk of abuse. But in actual fact, like, it's it's not. There's the drug mm -hmm. and there's a certain segment of the, part, uh, of the population that will be um, prone to falling into the, the uh, freaking, I would just say, the category of drug addiction and all of that. And what would you find about those people is uh, quite often or not, they've, they've got trauma behind them. They've got mm -hmm. mental health problems behind them. Or un unfortunately for some people, they just got addictive personalities. Um, they don't have yeah. much self-control. Um, but that that that's only a small percentage of the drug using population. Mm -hmm. So it was a biased panel then. The the, uh, the people doing the education that you say it was a biased in the first place. They didn't give both sides. They just gave the negatives. In, in, yeah. In regards to yeah, it, it was quite uh, biased. Um, but I wouldn't say over uh, entirely biased. Uh, there were some great presenters came on. Um, the the guys who shared the, the lived experience. Um, some of the guys who came from the addiction treatment centers. They made mm -hmm. some great presentations. Um, there, there was uh, others as well. Uh, Doctor Ian Matter. Um, he, he, I believe he's a criminology um a, a lecturer, a professor. Um, and he he made an excellent presentation. Um, he he actually alluded to the citizens, like guys, you know, you're you're not actually being educated properly about these drugs, and therefore mm -hmm. you're going to remain fearful of them, and that's going to guide your hand when it comes to voting time. And citizens brought that up there today. Highlighting the fact that, like, we, we were told if we weren't going to be educated about these drugs, we were going to be fearful, and that was going to affect the outcome of these votes. And now we're seeing the, that outcome affected. Oh, wow. So, you, is there going to be an appeal or anything like that? Because I know people are unhappy. But what was the result to start with? We It was it was like one point away from being legalized, right? Or being forwarded to being to the parliament for, to be legalized. What's yeah, the score? So what you're talking about there is um, the, the cannabis one. So when it came to voting on drugs and what they do with them, well, I, I suppose the first part, that there was the very first question as to, to what they were going to do with the drug policy. Did they want to retain the status quo? Did they want uh, a comprehensive health-led approach, health diversion, tolerance? Or did they want uh, a hybrid model? Um, which basically meant that they would uh, deal with the drugs individually or categorize them and deal with the categories individually. So that that actually got a, a, an overwhelming uh, support for uh, a hybrid model. Over 85% of the voters actually rejected the status quo in that very first vote. 
Man. So us campaigners, like I think you might have even been watching at that point, Mackie. Like we, we were all ecstatic. Like we were over the moon. We were thinking, like, here we go. This is the start of it. Now this is great. Mm. They've just completely rejected the status quo, which means like we're we're going for change here. Like we're going to see either decriminalization or legalization. Just that's what everyone was expecting at that point. But then the next kind of question um came up, and that's where things got a little bit muddied. Um, so they, they were asked then uh, on, on the next question, um, which was breaking down the four, uh, four drugs uh, categories. They, they isolated cannabis on its own. They isolated cocaine on its own. Then they had a group of uh, what they called hallucinogens, psilocybin mushrooms, ayahuasca, uh, ketamine, and all of those other kind of hallucinogenic drugs. And then they had all other drugs then as a category, heroin and everything else that didn't fall into anything previously. Right. Um, and... What happened then, instead of actually doing what they voted for, which was a hybrid model, taking a different approach for each different drug, they ended up actually voting for a comprehensive health-led approach to drugs, to all of the drugs, um, which is effectively what we already had. Mm. So the status quo was retained in there as an option for the citizens to vote on. Um, and then the next option was a, a health diversion, and then you had comprehensive health-led like those those three options, the, the, there was nothing there to differentiate them. They they all they're the same thing, just dressed up differently. That's that's the only way to describe it. Like we already have in Ireland a health led approach to drugs, as they're calling it. Um, they've introduced a caution system for uh, drugs like cannabis, and I think they're extending it, or they might have already extended it to other drugs. So we kind of already had this health led approach. We already have. Um, the court's been somewhat lenient to people, not giving them convictions. They're giving them like uh, the donations to charity. We always criticize it, but it's kind of a handy thing to have as well in the mm -hmm. court because, you know, if you got the money, you just give them the donation out the door, you go, good luck, you're done, happy days. Mm -hmm. So we, we already had a health approach. But now we've a comprehensive health approach and I just can't see the difference. I really can't see the difference. They've done a transfer system as well with the votes on that, that, uh, that occasion which it didn't end well at all for the cannabis vote because the cannabis vote started off with 36 votes. It was it was mm. clear leader at this point. The, the next uh, the next closest to it, I believe, had less than 20. Um, so cannabis uh, legalization and regulation got, I, I believe it was 44% of the vote in the first round of voting. And then over the next uh, three rounds, as other options were eliminated and their votes were transferred to, to the next preference that the person chose, cannabis ended up, fin legalization ended up finishing off with 38 votes in the end. So it only actually got two transfers from the other options. Wow. And, uh, the comprehensive health-led approach won out by one vote. It got 39 votes in total. So it was 39 versus 38 in the end. Um, wow. which, which, which was sad. Like it, it took three recounts before the comprehensive health had got enough to pass out the uh, the legalization and regulation to to be the winner. Then at that point, which is so fucking wrong. Damn. It was really close, man. Fucking tragic. It was, but like the, the thing we've the important the important thing to take away from all of this era is the citizens overwhelmingly rejected the status quo, and then what mm. happened afterwards is that they they were they were tricked in to voting again for the status quo with bells and whistles you know status mm, quo mm -hmm. two point that, that's status what quo under a different name <laughs> yeah you know it's, it's the quo status <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh. 
So yeah, oh, lots of people unhappy with the results, man. It's it's a shame to see because at first when I was watching, because I was seeing you on your, on your stream, it seemed like wow, this is like real fucking democracy going on right here. Just getting you know people from the the actual population of the country, just normal everyday people, like a jury service kind of thing, get them yeah. in a room and make them vote on certain things. It was like. And then to count the votes on the day and d discuss it being passed right on the same day. That's like, wow, man, we need to see more of this kind of stuff around the world. But the, the... So is this like, sorry, is this like a, like a referendum that they're running then? Kind of thing? This is, no, I don't no. I totally understand the system itself, like the Citizens Assembly. Um, maybe I'm not the only one, but. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, what, what actually happens, Martin? Well, what? what happens when the votes are passed what happens after this like do they decide or does it just get forwarded you know is it a referendum like march says no this is just a, it's basically a report what gets generated at the end and a report contains a, a number of recommendations that get uh, generated from the citizens over the course of the assembly so based on the presentations that were made to them and uh, the voting then towards the end uh, they generate a report and as I say, and within the report, it contains a number of recommendations. Uh, the, the most important one, I suppose, is that the citizens want a comprehensive health-led approach to, to drugs. Um, and, and then what they ended up doing in the end is that they're just basically calling for more funding and more resources uh, for the creation of new quangos within our, our legal system. Do you know, uh, we, we've what's known as a criminal assets bureau, bureau over here in Ireland. Um, and it's a national organization. It's just, it's got its uh, headquarters above in Dublin and it operates all over Ireland from Dublin. But what they called for there as part of the Citizens Assembly, um, they actually want the establishment of local uh, criminal assets bureaus. So they, they want to actually further like expand the criminal assets bureaus offices to uh, local regions. So that they're more actively working uh, in those regions, because at the moment the criminal assets bureau they're only like above in Dublin, they're only focused on some of the main big gangs. Like what what they're kind of talking about here now is bringing them down, and like what are they going to start going after small growers and stuff like that? You catch up with a bit of a grower next, they're going to be looking around to see if you've anything of worth. Oh, you must mm. have got that from uh, illegal gains mm. and start right. your shit. Fuck man. Like that, that's, that's the worry that I, I, I got out of that one. Um, they, they also called for a, a zero tolerance approach to um, uh, drug related intimidation and violence, which like I support that. But the thing is, when, when you're talking about drug related intimidation and violence, it's like you can't have a conversation about that without actually highlighting the fact that it's only there because of prohibition. That if, if you look at any other drug that we've regulated, such as tobacco or uh, alcohol, you don't have drug-related intimidation in, in, uh, associated with their supply. Like, you don't have your local mm -hmm. chemist that's banging out fucking um, codeine pills and stuff like that to, to people. Like, there, there's no drug-related intimidation violence coming from chemists supplying those people who are addicted to their drug of choice, you know? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, you don't, you don't hear that. Like, so it, it's just really annoying that they would... Um, they would have these conversations and not highlight the fact that the prohibition that they're supporting through this is the the reason why there's uh, drug-related intimidation and violence. And if you were to truly take a no-tolerance approach, you would be calling out prohibition and saying, hey, this has got to go. We have to no mm -hmm. tolerance to this fucking uh, drug-related intimidation and violence. So, like, drug, intim uh, drug prohibition has got to go. Hmm. So who creates the questions for that are presented to the Citizens' Assembly in the first place? 
Yeah, that this gets formulated by the Oireachtas, so that's that's the terms of reference, I, I suppose. Um, but the questions on the ballot there, I, I think that maybe what you're asking, um, yeah. towards the end, I, I would love to know who formulated them. Okay, <laughs> I really would love to know who formulated them because whoever it was, they they were definitely working in an underhanded way and with in how they formed these uh right. these ballots and the questions. Right, like the a, questions were kind of presented in a way to achieve a certain outcome, perhaps. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. like the, the, the five options given on the ballot paper was uh, status quo, health diversion, comprehensive health aid, tolerance, and then legalization and regulation. So there was five options on it. And, and the tolerance one, like that, that's effectively decriminalization alone. Just we're going to decriminalize the, the drug user. We're going to tolerate a certain amount of uh, of the drugs. Um, so it would have been that would have been like a Portuguese model. The Portuguese model have a tolerance model. They tolerate up to a ten day supply of drugs. You know that that's decriminalization. But now they've gone for what they said as a comprehensive health led. And within the comprehensive health led, they make references to Portugal, but it's not in like Portugal's model at all. Like, mm-hmm. at least it seems like not into, not like Portugal's model to me. Um, yeah, because you got any ideas how the end goal is going to look from here? Like what the plan is with this. Uh medical orientated legalization whatever the fuck they're calling it yeah well i suppose it's just going to be back to policy makers now and uh, it seems like it's just going to be uh expanding upon what we already have in the health led approach so mm-hmm. as i said we have a caution system there for drugs like cannabis they're, they're probably just going to expand that now to all drugs so mm-hmm. if you get caught with the drugs uh, by the cops they can have the power of discretion to kind of say to you look we're not going to put you through the process, but we, we'll send you to this health fucking uh, diversion program. You know, you got to show up down there and, and I don't know, show, do a clean piss test, like go up for a couple of days, mm. get, get rehabilitated because of your drug use. Like that, that's what's going to go on. But if you say to that cop or, or if you just don't show up to that, then you're back to the judicial system where you're now treated like a criminal again. You're going to be getting fines. You're going to be uh, possibly getting community service. Um the, the, the option of um, incarceration is still there as well, you know, albeit kind of further down the road for them. Like uh, they'll they'll be le- less likely to reach for that. They'll give you a fine or community service much sooner because like in Ireland, you have to remember our prisons are crowded, like they're overflowing. We're all, they're all at capacity. So this, this is in their favor as well. Oh, yeah, we won't send them to prison. We'll give them a fine. We'll give them community service. We send them out there doing the work that the council is supposed to be doing there, cleaning up the streets. Mm. That'll save us a couple of a couple of bob. Like a, a Casa de Strugas was saying it there earlier, um, Graham, um, like the, the prison industry in, a, in the US, it's been compared to like a, a legalized form of slavery with the, the free labor that they kind of mm-hmm. have people doing there. They have guys working for like what twenty cent an hour, five cent an hour, or something like that. Fucking, I think the one thing we, we always kind of would associate with that was printing the the license plates, wasn't it? That was always something that mm-hmm. was associated with prisons and shit. Like, but like mm-hmm. the anyway, like you might have watched Orange Is the New Black. I watched that with herself. Like, but like in that there they had um what was that? Uh, <laughs> watched that with the... herself. Yeah, you, you didn't watch it. The missus watched it, and you was in the room while the <laughs> missus was watching it. There's no shame in watching Orange Is New Black. It was good for the first few seasons. It was good for the first few seasons, in fairness. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, yeah. They had Victoria's Secret there operating through the prison. Like they, they had the women in there making like the, the lingerie and then like a part of that, then the women were sending her out. They, they used to have fans on the outside selling the lingerie, dirty lingerie. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Which is pretty crazy. And I've actually, I remember one time seeing like some kind of chart and this was U US based, but the number of well-known US brands that were using prison labor to help manufacture some of their products. And it was a much longer list than you would expect. Wow. And uh, yeah, I mean, that is literal slave labor. Like you're saying, these people are not getting paid. Mm -hmm. And it's close to what anybody else would get paid. I, I would be worried that Ireland could end up going down that road if we retain this type of approach to uh, drug use because we're going to have so many people. We've about 18,000 people every year on average getting caught with personal amounts of drugs in Ireland going through the court system. So now you're right. going to have 18,000 people on average every year who are now liable for free labor, <laughs> you know? Right. And then suddenly you've got an industry on your hands and there's really no reason to change the system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Scary, man. Scary. You don't think it's going to go that way, though, do you? I, I really hope to God it doesn't. Um, mm. but who knows? Like you just mm. don't know. As I say, yeah. community service. Like there's there's only much so much community service that a person can do before somebody realizes, hey, come here, we've a fair bit of manpower going through here. Like we could capitalize off this. And sure, like you know how politicians do this. Like the the, the brown envelope days are gone. But as soon as they're out of their post, then they're they're in a board position there for one of these companies getting a six figure salary off them. You know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some bullshit, man. So when can you, I mean, can you guys appeal what happened? Can you, can you appeal the result? Can you, when is the next vote? If you can't, you know, no, what, what happens from here? There's sweet F all we can do from here now, unfortunately. Um, oh. outside of, like, what, what, as I said, we've got one strong thing that we took out of this was the, uh, the citizens assembly overwhelmingly voted against the status quo. Like that, that's one thing that we have and we, we have to hold on to. Because um, with, with that, you know, we, we can go towards uh, any of the policymakers and say, hey, guys, the citizens have rejected the status quo. We need change here. And they've actually for a comprehensive health-led approach. And, and we can really uh, drive home the message that if you want a comprehensive health-led approach, you need to have a clean, safe supply of drugs for the drug user. Otherwise, the drug users are at risk of, uh, of falling prey to, you know, contaminated drug supplies. How can you call it a comprehensive health-led approach if you're not going to clean up the supply of the drug for the drug user? Craziness. Yeah, so like that, that's that's what's there for us as campaigners. We, we have to use this stuff now to our advantage afterwards. Like we can't be completely mm -hmm. defeated and deflated by this and, you know, hang up our hats and give up. But, you know, we, we need to use yeah. this now. Fuel into the engines and uh, full steam ahead. Yeah. Right. That's it, man. Things will work out okay eventually. It's just going to take time to fucking get there. And it's sad that we didn't get the result that we wanted. You know, that's a damn shame. Because I, I was I was fully expecting it to get legalized, man. Well, you know, for the, for that motion to get put forward anyway. Yeah, I thought decriminalization was guaranteed with this. You know, that, that tolerance option. Like, if they had that, if they had that listed correctly, um, it would have been much better. Because like they they just listed tolerance, they just listed legalization and regulation. But like, how misleading is that to the citizens, especially citizens who haven't been properly educated about yeah. drugs and the routine mm -hmm. of of these drugs and the use of these drugs? Like, they're going to read something like comprehensive health led. That sounds good. I'm afraid of this drug and what it might do to people. Yeah, they need a comprehensive health led because tolerance. Asher, sure we can't tolerate people just using drugs. Mm -hmm. Like, but if they if they had a health-led decriminalization, if they had health-led legalization and regulation, I, I would say that would have massively changed the, uh, the outcome of that vote. I think mm. people were voting in fair. They seen health within the wording, and do you know what? They, they, they went for a comprehensive health. Jeez, that sounds good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do you know? Mm -hmm. What actually is it? It's the fucking status quo. Oh, shit, man. <laughs>
Oh, yeah, so that's what's going on over in Ireland right now, everybody. I mean, I wish it was better. Yeah, I wish it was it better. Is it is. Going forward as well, uh, we, we are approaching a 10-year anniversary of when Ireland actually last got the vote on a, a cannabis legalization bill. So you had him on as a guest before, I believe, Mackie. Yeah, Luke Ming Flanagan, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a great uh, guy to check uh, our chat with. But um, mm-hmm. he put the bill back in 2013. It was voted on on the 6th of November. It was defeated, I believe, 111 to 8 or something like that. Um, he, he was saying it himself. I, I interviewed him there myself uh, just over a year ago, two years ago. And he was telling me that it, he didn't believe that any of them actually even read his bill because they were, they were saying stuff and they were asking questions um, that clearly indicated that they hadn't read the bill at all um, mm. and they voted on it. Like that, that's a shameful. Yeah. On, on that 10 year anniversary, there's uh, there's plans being made at the moment now um, to, to have a day of action here in Ireland um, to highlight the fact that the, the vote only lost out by one and the flaws there um, and how citizens were misled into that vote. You know, and even the dissatisfaction that was expressed at the Citizens' Assembly in regards to the vote, um, citizens expressing the fact that they were confused about the process. Um, so that that's kind of what the plan is going forward. Um, just get, getting back into the campaign and now the, the ball is back in our court as campaigners. So it's just up to us as to what we do. And November 6th, uh, there should be a day of action here in Ireland calling for cannabis to be legalised. Well, nice. Uh, we'll keep up to date with all the news, man. You, you can come on any time and let us know about you know what's going on in Ireland. It'll be good to hear, the, you know, what happens in the future with this whole thing. It's interesting. It's a shame it didn't work out, man. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, you know, it's there's there was a lot of hope in this. I, I know a lot of people were uh, really optimistic as to the outcome of this, but like as I say, going going forward, now we, we did get something at least out of this, and that's a rejection of the status quo from the citizens. You know what? Whatever about the rest of the votes that happened there, like that that first that first vote really um is the direction that we need to be focusing on away from the status quo. Um, <laughs> comprehensive health led, as we say, we we need to be fucking uh, widening what that actually means, and as I say, including a, a regulated safe supply of drugs. It's not more comprehensively health led than that to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, we we'll definitely keep you up to date. Yeah, man. So do you want to stay around to cover the rest of the news or have you got things to do? What do you want to do? I've I've got a ball here to smoke. Um, if I can smoke Sweet. that. Let's <laughs> do it then. Because we'll I've got this uh, news story from the UK that I've been wanting to get around to. Because this, uh, this is from the gov.uk. This is a government thing. So a big piece of news here regarding the, uh, the illegal cannabis market in the UK. Because that's what we have here. Uh, like like Martin says, you know, this is what regulation brings us is these uh, these criminal gangs and shit. And this is a good representation of what uh, the illegal cannabis market can turn into. So we have the title here. It says counted lines, gangs smashed in national police blitz over 1,600 arrests during county lines crackdown in national police operation last week with over 100 kilograms of cannabis and 1.2 million of class A drugs seized. So. Uh, yeah, it's a big bust, man. And it was all over the country, I think. Yeah, we're going to learn more in this news article here. But they got a shitload of drugs and weapons off the streets and broke down on some gangs. It never really does anything. When you have these busts, whoever gets arrested is replaced within a few hours and the whole thing carries on. So I don't know if this is even going to do anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
So uh, we have drug gangs across the UK were targeted in a national police operation last week, leading to 250 county lines being taken down and 1,613 arrests. The county lines uh, intensification week, that's what it was called, fuck, you know. The county lines intensification week coordinated by the NPCC led National County Lines Coordination Centre, the NCLCC, also saw 103 kilograms of cannabis seized alongside 40 kilograms of Class A drugs worth over 1.2 million, 33 th firearms, 377 bladed weapons and over 1.2 million in cash as forces made large gains against these gangs and the products that finance their exploitative criminality. So... As you can see, that's a, a lot of drugs and a lot of money that's been taken out the, the hands of these gangs. And this article does continue. I'll read a little bit more. There's some bits that don't make sense. Uh, 710 vulnerable people, including 58 children, were also referred by police to safeguarding services through the national operation. So that's 710 vulnerable people. I don't think that means all of them. So there must have been even more people mm -hmm. involved. You know, this is just the vulnerable people in uh in this this uh, circle this gang you know it's crazy shit man <clears throat> exploitation coercion and violence are cornerstones of the county lines trade and cannabis is used by gangs to trap young people into death forcing them to transport their drugs and sell to other children to continue the cycle that's essentially what county lines are just in case anybody doesn't know it's uh gangs get hold of uh teenagers young kids be below the age of 18 and they force them to sell drugs for them. Uh, they get possession of a certain phone. And that's what the county line is. You know, you phone this phone line. And that's the county line. And they, it just, it's all about exploitation. And they know if the kids under the age of 18 get found and arrested with the, with the drugs, then they're not going to suffer any long-term prison sentences because they're under the age of 18. So this is the whole, uh, the reason why these things exist. So, of course, if it was legalized and properly regulated, this shit wouldn't be going on. But, you know, they refuse to do that. But anyway, we uh, we carry on here. By rescuing these vulnerable people from the grip of these gangs and helping them into support services such as the Home Office-funded Catch-22, the cycle of violence and abuse is being broken. You just end it by properly legalizing and regulating. Why yeah, do they have to do all this way. shit? I'm you know? they're helping these vulnerable kids and stuff, but you can't help but think that, like, these kids are making money. They're probably bringing, like, money home to provide for the family or something you know that they, mm -hmm. it wouldn't be selling drugs if they they weren't really in need of it you know there's not too many people doing it for those reasons anyway it's because the other opportunities aren't afforded to these people like like if they're if they're vulnerable it's because of government policies mm -hmm. like prohibition <laughs> mm. well you know it's the selling the drugs and shit i don't really have a problem with that they're just trying to make a fucking living but when they're exploiting vulnerable people you know they're getting the kids involved that the way they do that that's wrong can't do that shit you know just exploiting people because i don't think they're paying the kids where that they force into these uh situations when they just force them to sell a shitload of drugs and essentially use them as slaves you know i don't know the kids yeah. are definitely going to be getting paid all right in some shape or form whether it's just giving them some drugs or giving them a little bit of pocket money like mm -hmm. well like I, I know myself like growing up that the few people i'm just thinking of here and i won't say no names like but Man, they would have done anything for like 20 euro or, 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 or 10 pound <laughs> at the time. Mm -hmm. like, like they would have done anything. Like, you know, bring this up there, up to the bridge, give it to this fella. Not a bother, but yeah, no bothers. Like, and, and I see, I seen it happen. And mm -hmm. they would get like a nudge for doing it. And they didn't give a shit. Like, mm 
Um, it's scary, isn't it? It is, yeah. But what's even more scarier is that all of these, this effort by the authorities and stuff, and like Neil Neil Woods comes to mind, and like mm, he talks mm-hmm. about the, the massive uh, resources being put into like all of these operations, and then ultimately resulting in interrupting the drug supply for about seven seconds. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah that's no, right. right. It? Yeah. That, you said that at the beginning of the article, Mackie. Just like you take one out, and there's another dealer in its place within. <laughs> yeah. You mm-hmm. know. There's an endless supply. Stupidness, man. Yeah. Uh, this article carries on as well. It, it comes on to some interesting points. Uh, in one operation attended by the Home Secretary joined the National Police Chiefs Council, intensification week in the West Midlands, 850,000 worth, worth of cannabis was seized from cannabis factories, with more than 850 plants and nearly 6 kilograms of dried cannabis recovered. Heroes. Heroes. Not all heroes wear capes. Uh, <laughs> last week's enforcement success come as a new home office statistic shows that in April 2022, 1,700 lines have been taken down through the government's county lines program alongside 3,300 arrests and 4,100 vulnerable people referred to support services, highlighting the success law enforcement, government and support services are having in bringing down this heinous criminality. And it's like, come on, man. This is just going to start again. I mean, this is the reoccurring theme of this. It's like you really think you're doing anything. You're just making a small dent and it's going to be all fixed up and somebody to, is going to replace all of these people. Uh, it's, you know, it's just bringing more and more people into it as well. You know, more, more and more people get pulled into these county lines because they need somebody to fill a fucking spot. They don't care about these kids. It's bad shit, man. What, what can you do? Uh... Uh, the Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, said, and she's uh, quite ignorant, really, uh, vile thugs running county lines, drug gangs, blight our communities and groom the most vulnerable in society for their personal gain. Uh, our police officers are working every day to break these criminal networks, pushing illegal drugs on the streets. And since April 2022, they have shut down over 1,700 county lines through the county lines program. My message is clear. We will not tolerate illegal drugs of any kind and we must rid our communities of these criminals. And how's that going for you? All right, we'll make the drugs not illegal, and then maybe you'll also rid the communities of the criminals. Mm-hmm. That would definitely work. I mean, good. They it's haven't tried approach. that one yet. They've tried everything yeah. over the last 50 years, and nothing's worked. Yeah. We're still in a bad situation. So let's just, right. you, know, you know, I said on the last show, I think, let's just try it for 10 years. You know, change the rules, make it legal for 10 years, and see what the fuck happens. And when you, after correct. 10 years, That's assess it. What was that, mate? That was a successful operation. Like, you know, they don't want to change things. That was a success, apparently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. Successful. Well, we, we, we just anything when they're being successful. <laughs> and that's it. We're just degenerate drug users. We don't know what we're talking about. You know, the, these guys know better. It's just ridiculous how ignorant they are. I'll, I'll skip down to this uh, little section here. The intensification week, which ran on from Monday the 9th of October to Sunday the 15th of October, saw 250 county lines taken down, 1,613 people arrested. This is the one I wanted to bring up because the maths don't add up here. Right, We've got uh, 458 weapons seized, including, everybody add this up, 33 firearms, 377 bladed weapons, 3 crossbows, 21 batons, and 28 knuckle dusters and that adds up to more than 458 i think when i did the maths it was 462 which i added it up to so (laughs) 
so the numbers don't add up. Yeah. Somewhere. Maybe yeah. some of the guns were bayonets. That's what I thought. Maybe some of the firearms are also the stabbing weapons, you know? <laughs> right, a little crossover. Yeah, well, they, they counted the, some of the guns as uh, batons. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. It crosses over somewhere. God, no, no, no. Just, who writes these articles? You know, this is a chat GPT one, this is. Uh, <laughs> and then we have uh, over 1.2 million worth of Class A and Class B drugs seized. 437,000 worth of crack cocaine, 100,000 worth of heroin, 40 kilograms of cocaine, and 103 kilos of cannabis seized. And I don't get that. It's like, why have you first stuff said 437 of crack cocaine and 100,000 worth of heroin, right? Giving monetary value to it. And then you're only just telling us the weights of the cocaine. You know, 40, how much is 40 kilograms of cocaine worth? Why don't you give us the numbers? Why have you changed it there? I don't know why they did that. And then uh, 1.2 million in cash seized as well. So a fuckload of money was taken. So yes, the UK government were very busy last week taking down all these these criminal gangs. You know, the what can you do really? The only way this is going to stop is to stop these criminal gangs from exploiting young people and vulnerable people is to properly legalize and regulate. That's That's the only thing they can do. They've tried everything for 50 years. None of it's worked. We're still in this position. So legalization seems to be the only option, doesn't it? Right. But, and there seems to be no lack of interest in people doing said drugs as well. So, you know, mm -hmm, this whole, mm -hmm. yeah. It's messed up, man. But this is what we're dealing with here in the UK right now. There's so much gang activity all over the country. It's bad. It's, it's scary, especially when you have kids, you know, teenage kids, and they have to go mm -hmm. out and, and deal with people in this fucking country. It's crazy, man. It's scary. It's scary is what it is. I you feel know, sorry like... over there, though. You got some absolute sausages in, in power at the moment. Like. <laughs> no, mate, yeah, it's bad, man. No, nobody's got a clue what's going on. It's fucked. It's no, fucked. no. Like, there was some promise there recently. I thought that, that London mayor guy was kicking up enough a uh, bit of a stink there. What was that, about mm. two years ago? But mm -hmm. where did that go? Like, what happened there with the decriminalization in London? How was that, yeah. man? Because they had the whole decriminalizing cannabis for anybody on the age of 25 in London essentially was what happened it was reported it, a story on it, it no i don't know mate i don't think so i heard nothing after the fact mm -hmm. but i don't yeah but so yeah we have another interesting news article here from marge marge because it's been five years of legal cannabis in canada now and they've got some uh studies done on this shit right marge yes we do speaking of uh legalizing cannabis we just had legalization on October 17th and it has been five years. I will say somebody sent me this article and if they're listening right now, I want to say thank you. I just can't remember who it was. <laughs> so thanks for sending it along, but thank you. A listener, a listener did send it. So this article is entitled five years of legal cannabis, fewer charges, many hospitalizations, and more than a few questions. Dun, dun, dun. So let's get into it. <laughs> when Canada legalized the use of cannabis in October 2018, after decades of prohibition, the goals were to improve safety and public health, and reduce gang activity probably also, as well as to reduce access by youth, crime, and the illegal market. Five years later, public health experts say legalization hasn't created any health benefits, interesting, but it has been linked to some serious concerns. I'm not sure exactly who put this article together. Was it health? Public Chat health GPT experts. again. <laughs> yeah. 
So Tuesday's issue of the Canadian Medical Association Journal includes a commentary taking stock of what happened with the legalization of non-medical cannabis. The paper doesn't examine the greater uptake of medical cannabis, which has been regulated by the government since 2001. So this is just an examination of recreational cannabis, I guess. More than a quarter of Canadian adults, 27%, say they use cannabis, up from 22% in 2017, said author Benedict Fisher, an adjunct professor at the Center for Applied Research in Mental Health and Addictions at Simon Simon Fraser University in Vancouver. Cannabis has been widely available, normalized, and even promoted, uh, Fisher said. I think you can take that with a grain of salt a little bit. I mean, 27% of adults say they use cannabis. I wouldn't be surprised if it's higher than that, because I think there still is quite a bit of stigma associated with cannabis use in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways, but... Mm -hmm. That's another discussion. Uh, Though though the CMAJ commenters did not cite any direct health benefits from legalization, the paper notes the important social justice benefits from substantial reductions in criminal arrests and charges, along with the associated stigma. So stigma is always going to be an issue, but they are correct. Mm -hmm. People obviously aren't getting arrested for it anymore, and that's obviously a benefit. Two-thirds of active cannabis users now get their cannabis from legal sources, according to the paper. In Quebec, the minimum age to use cannabis was up to 21. Uh, Interestingly, in Quebec, it's, I believe, 18 years of age to drink alcohol. So I didn't know they changed it to 21 to consume cannabis. And a lot of other provinces, like Ontario, where I am, it's 19 to consume cannabis and to drink alcohol. Wow, random, just random, 19 for you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 18 in Quebec, a lot of Ontario people, a lot of kids in Ontario would sometimes go to Quebec at 18 because they could drink there (laughs) and also like cases of alcohol from Costco, which you also can't do in in Ontario. So, Mm -hmm. or cases of beer anyway, but that's a a little sidebar. (laughs) The province also introduced other restrictions, such as not allowing edibles that would appear to young people like gummies, candies, and chocolate. I think there's some positive protective effects from that, Fisher said. I'm not really sure why they're focusing on Quebec in that because a lot of the there's a lot of restrictions around edibles, generally speaking, across the country, not just in Quebec. So that I don't know why they're focusing on that. But then they mm. talk about some of the harms. After legalization, there was a large uptick in cannabis poisonings among young children in provinces where edibles were legal. These cannabis events... poisonings, man. What the fuck is that? Yeah. Uh. These events were rare but highlighted the importance of child safety packaging probably also highlights the importance of parents keeping their shit out of the hands of young children and, Mm -hmm. you know, doing good parenting. But I guess shit does happen sometimes, but in any case, they are also admitting that the events were rare. So there Mm -hmm. is an uptick in these types of events, but maybe that's also because they're legal. People are less afraid to sort of take the necessary action when something like this happens. The increased availability of cannabis also led to other health concerns, bringing people to hospital, says another new paper that studied the cannabis attributable hospitalizations in four provinces, both before and after legalization. The study's authors combed through hospitalization data on nearly 7 million people aged 15 and up in Ontario, Quebec, Alberta, and BC. Their findings were published Thursday in the journal or the JAMA network open. I'm not familiar with that publication, but there were 105,000 hospitalizations for cannabis over a seven-year period from January 2015 through to March 2021, the report says. 
one third were among young people or people aged 15 to 24, while nearly 70,000 or 66% were among males. Wow. Uh, but I mean, it could be argued that young people aged 15 to 24 are often a little more reckless, perhaps. But I wonder what the statistics are for alcohol. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> exactly. The, I, I'm, there's still lots of kids going to the hospital for alcohol poisoning and stuff like that. So I'm sure it's a lot higher. But the mm. study focused on three time periods, pre-legalization, post-legalization with product and store restrictions, and post-legalization with commercialization, resulting in more stores and product access. The latter period overlapped with the COVID-19 pandemic. During the early years of legalization with tightly controlled products and limited store access, the rate of hospitalizations didn't notably change. However, data suggests that the commercial period was accompanied by an increase in cannabis hospitalizations, particularly among people aged 25 and older, the study's authors uh, said. Going from a couple of cannabis stores in a city to hundreds increased availability, which can lead to overuse problems. Uh, Daniel Moran, a family physician with the Ottawa Hospital Research Institute, says, so he's arguing that when you have a city where you can easily access it, it's going to lead to more hospitalizations because it's easier to get. From his work in public health and as a researcher, Myron said people, mostly young men, commonly show up in emergency departments after using cannabis because they're experiencing withdrawal or intoxicated, but not displaying cannabis-related psychosis. Myron said that they're at risk, slight, but there, of developing a serious mental disorder, which mm. I find an interesting use of language when he yeah. said that there's a risk, it is slight, but then they followed up with like serious mental disorder, which sounds scary. So I don't know. If... Yeah, it's strange to use that kind of language, but you know, they have an agenda behind releasing articles like this. Yeah, and a lot of the times when I hear like doctors, a family physician working with a, a research institute, I mean, I don't know how much education this particular doctor has had on cannabis. I mean, I'm probably more than most, and maybe he sees things that other doctors might not see, but I take it with a grain of salt, perhaps. Mm -hmm. They also have a 2% risk of developing schizophrenia within three years, said Myron. In comparison to the general population, the risk is well below 1% cannabis-induced psychosis has had the largest relative increase for hospitalizations, the study said. Both genes and environmental factors predispose some people to cannabis to using cannabis and developing schizophrenia. Myron said more research is needed to understand the risk, calling it an area that is under-discussed, which is, of wow. course, one advantage of legalization because then you can do the research that is necessary to dig into these things where when you have blanket prohibition, none of this stuff gets looked at. Um, the increased potency of cannabis sold after commercial commercialization matters, said Romana Mizrahi, a psychiatrist and professor at McGill University in Montreal. She wasn't inv involved in the research. If legalization is done correctly, users will receive important information on how much psychoactive THC they're ingesting, which is, of course, on all the packaging and anything you buy in a legal store. When we talk to patients, we explain what this means. She said, and we asked them to take a look at what they buy. I think most people do. Using cannabis can also be risky during pregnancy. Myron pointed to a previous study on people treated for cannabis use disorder in Ontario. The results suggested a doubling in the rate of poor outcomes in newborns among less than 1% of pregnancy, uh, pre pregnancy visits to the hospital for cannabis use 
compared to cannabis-free pregnancies. Although it could be argued, there could be other factors at play as well. Mm -hmm. There usually is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the CMAJ paper noted that impaired driving related to cannabis appeared to be the same or slightly down from pre-legalization levels in BC. However, the proportion of drivers admitted to hospital after vehicle collisions who tested positive for THC increased after legalization, Fisher and his team said. Impaired driving numbers could be lower as a result of people not venturing out of their homes during the COVID pandemic. Myron calls the effect of legalization an unfinished story. Uh, doctors and scientists want better tracking on the demand for treatment for cannabis use disorders and how many people may be substituting other substances to get high. Said Myron, our data, while not conclusive, is hinting that as the market expands, when you see greater levels of market maturity, new products, that you do see increases in cannabis harms. The end. Right. The yeah. end. That was a lovely story, Marge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've had legalization for five years and there's plus and minuses, I guess. And that's to be expected. But at the end of the day, I think uh, we can talk about it openly and people aren't getting arrested and thrown into the judicial, judicial, mm -hmm. judicial system for cannabis. And, and I, I, think that, I, I think they're clutching a lot here as well. They're just, you know, clutching at straws, just trying to spin cannabis in a bad light. And I think I they're about to exaggerate a lot, a lot of this, especially when they're going on like 105,000 cases in the last seven years. And it's like, that's not really bad. You know what I mean? No. It's, and like you said, you compare that to alcohol or perhaps tobacco or other things like that, or mm -hmm. other illegal drugs, perhaps uh, hospitalizations related to that. I mean, at the end of the day, we're adults and we can, people are going to do what they're going to do anyway. Yeah. One third were among people 15 to 24. It's like, that's a, it's a big difference between a 24 year old getting smashed and 15 year old getting smashed. You know, it's, it's a different story, isn't it? Mm -hmm. it's, it should be, uh, and there's a reason why they have statistics and put them in numbers like that to just try and make it like, it's convenient how it's 105,000 hospitalizations over the last seven years to push it over that 100 K, you know, they've gone for seven years right. instead of six. You know, which will be less than 100k, so people don't think it's that much of a big number. You know what I mean? Just... How many of them actually stayed in hospital and for how long? Yeah, yeah. How many died? No, no, none. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. they don't talk about that. Yeah. yeah. And, and they cover this benefits section. They talk about how, like, the reductions in criminal arrests, of course, which is, which is a huge benefit. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of, like, just having all these stores, it does allow access to people who would otherwise not have access. And yeah, they focus on these hospitalizations, but 105 does not seem like a lot over a seven-year period. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think so. Especially in, yeah. in a country with populations of millions of people. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and like you know, you don't want to. You want to, like, I don't know, access. Tell Granny who's coming in for her arthritis cream not to, <laughs> not mm. to come in. You know, like to have to drive 50 kilometers to get what she needs or or something, because there's all kinds of people that visit legal dispensaries in Canada. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, interesting one. We've got one more here from the USA. And this, uh, this kind of relates to what you just said there, Marge, about granny getting the medicine. And this uh, the title of this story here is Georgia will be the first U.S. state where pharmacies sell medical cannabis. How fucking cool is oh. that? Yeah, it's, uh, so you'll be able to just go into the pharmacy and buy your, your medical cannabis rather than having to go through 
or on some dodgy internet site or something. I don't know how it works over in the USA. But uh, yeah, you can, you, can you have to go to a dispensary. Time. You have to go to a dispensary, right, to go and buy your cannabis, even if it is medical. I'm no idea. Sure. Yeah, I don't know I either. Don't know. And it's monkey, different. monkey would know. From state to state, too. <laughs> yeah, he would know. <laughs> do you really but... want to? Maybe for some people, but do you really want to be buying your cannabis from a pharmacy? Like, would you not want to be getting it from like a bud tender? Somebody who actually knows what mm. cannabis. Mm -hmm. That did cross my mind, like the pharmacy model. But I could see that appealing to people who are accustomed to purchasing drugs to make them feel better at a pharmacy like you go mm -hmm. to the drugstore to buy tylenol and you go to you know the counter to pick up your prescriptions so there may be a certain demographic of people who are more new to cannabis that might be yeah. interested in and placebo effect is massive too you know if you buy it from right. the pharmacy it's definitely gonna have that little right. placebo effect rather than buying it from a dispensary you'll feel more high you'll feel more medicated if you bought it from the uh <laughs> the pharmacy right i wouldn't yeah. you know but some people would because they, they don't, like, if they're new to cannabis, yeah. like Marge mentioned. I think that and some help. people trust the pharmacist, like, that whole system, right? Like, if you're somebody who's new mm. to cannabis and you're 65 years old and you're trying it for the first time, do you want to get it from some kid in a dispensary or from a pharmacist wearing a lab coat? God, I yeah. wouldn't, but... <laughs> yeah, that's it. There's you know, them people, there people out there. Out there. Yeah. It's better to grow your own anyway, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he states here in this article, for the past year and a half, medical cannabis company CEO Gary Lung has spent a lot of time reassuring Georgia's small town mayors about what will soon be coming to their local pharmacy, medical marijuana. Uh, <laughs> they think that we're going to be selling joints out of the pharmacy or something, and that's not right, says Lung, uh, whose company, Bio, uh, Botanical Sciences, is one of two licensed medical cannabis production companies in Georgia. Contrary to what anxious le uh, local leaders may think, weed sodas won't be sold alongside Coke Zero at their local pharmacy. But by the end of the year, people who meet the extremely narrow criteria spelled out in Georgia's conservative medical cannabis law are expected to have the opportunity to buy low-dose THC products at their pharmacy at uh, a first in the United States. So. They can't the, have their weed sodas alongside the Coke Zero. Why not? It's crazy talk, you know. It's, <laughs> well, the sugar in that is more harmful than what's in uh, fucking cannabis, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose Absolutely. cannabis drinks got a lot of sugar in as well. I'm not sure about that. Some do, some don't. Depends. Yeah. Uh, the Georgia Board of Pharmacy is currently processing applications from pharmacies around the state that want to sell low dose THC products, and there's that term coming up again low dose tic products you know they just want everybody to be sure but don't worry it's not the strong stuff you know, it's just a little bit of mild weed uh <laughs> the T uh, low dose tic products under georgia law the thc content can only be up to five percent thc or tetrahydrocannabinol is the part of the cannabis plant that produces a high one of the key reasons doctors may suggest patients use medical cannabis to help with pain nausea insomnia and other issues Products can include THC, oil, tinctures, topicals, capsules, and lozenges. 5% THC? So what, what the fuck, man? What, why do they yeah, do these Yeah, that's not very high. So would that apply to, like, the other products as well? Tinctures and topicals, capsules and mm. lozenges and all that stuff? Like 5% THC? Yeah, that wouldn't make sense, yeah. would it? Imagine smoking yeah, off 5% but... tincture, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, the point being that, yeah, damn. Uh, national chains such as CVS and Walmart 
won't be selling THC products in Georgia, but Long said 130 local pharmacies have already agreed to sell his product exclusively. The state has more than 400 independent pharmacies and many seem interested in getting the special THC sale license. So you're going to need to get a license as well from the government. God damn. Uh, according to the professional association representing these stores. Uh, that would put 90% of Georgians within a 30-minute drive from a pharmacy that could sell it, Long said. And a 30-minute drive in the USA, it's not very far, is it? You know, they, they, the guys like to drive, man. Mm-hmm. So it, it's uh, reasonably close. Other states such yeah, as... Yeah, connect... Walmart missed out, though. Sorry. Yeah. But it's, why would you even go out and buy this shit? It's, but you're just going to still go to the legacy market because I bet the prices of the, this medical weed isn't going to be cheap. You might as well just go and buy it from the guy around the corner with, you know, 20% THC in it. It's foolish to do things like this, I think. It just makes no sense, and it just keeps people going to the legacy market when they're trying to stop that from happening in the first place. Crazy shit. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, this, this article goes on for a while here. Uh, I'll try and pick out some, some highlights. Uh, my 20-year-old kids were like, Dad, uh, you just went viral. I'm like, okay, okay what, what the fuck you mean there? What a random bit to read. <laughs> uh, where are we? Uh, making medical cannabis so accessible in such a traditional conservative deep south like Georgia caught some by surprise last week after Lung's company put out the news release about products would soon be available in pharmacies. Even late night television host Jimmy Kimmel did a skit about it. Wow. You you know you've made it when Jimmy Kimmel does a skit on you. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's why you went viral. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've never seen anything like it, Long said, and uh, said of the sudden attention. Before moving into the medical cannabis field, he was an executive in the more buttoned-up healthcare technology business. Right. Yes, so, you know, pretty much the, the title summed up this article, and then it just goes on for a while about this guy's company. <laughs> But uh, right. yeah, so Georgia's going to be selling cannabis out of pharmacies soon, which is it's a good step to take. You know, the more places that are giving people opportunities to buy cannabis, especially for medicine, is a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I think so. The access, because you were saying like, why would why would people buy that and not just get it from the guy down the street? But mm -hmm. if you don't have mm -hmm. a guy down the street, and you're kind of yeah. like, I wonder if medical marijuana could help me or, or whatever. Then mm -hmm. you're very true, very more, true. More likely to go to the local pharmacy than the local guy around the corner it's just crazy how yeah you know the states who have this but here in the uk over in ireland you know south usa they're still completely illegal it's madness man we we it want pharmacies crazy. you know it's like we would take this <laughs> know, some <laughs> yeah, people think this isn't good enough and we're like yeah well, we'll take it for now god damn yeah can patients in the uk can opt to have their cannabis collected from uh, a pharmacy can't they yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, can you collect, can have it. You uh, can just have it delivered to your house, though. Yeah, yeah, they can get it delivered to their gaff then as well. Yeah, which is cool, but it's uh, it's expensive, isn't it? And people can't afford it. That's the problem. It but is. It, yeah. It's a step. In, what's what's the deal with Ireland? Can you got medical cannabis over there? Is it so? You can, like, can you order it online and have the doctor prescribe it and shit like that? What's the score in Ireland? Yeah, the way it's working in Ireland. Um, so uh, Amy kind of filled me in. She gets a delivery of it. She has to get a prescription filled from the doctor. <clears throat> then that can be sent over to uh, The Hague. Then that has to be paid for the, before the prescription is actually shipped in from The Hague uh, to Ireland. 
But previously, the patients actually had to go there and pick it up themselves from the Transval pharmacy. Um, oh. But now they can actually have it delivered since the, the whole, oh, get ready, guys, COVID. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know yeah, th- th- it's been said a few times in this show, everybody. So make sure you're uh, smoking. Make sure you're making yeah. up for it now. Well, it's, <laughs> since the whole COVID stuff, um, they were able to, to get the delivery of their medicine then. Um, and they kept that in place then uh, even after the whole pandemic thing came to an end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but like, the patients still don't get reimbursed for it uh, mm. at all. Like, there's no reimbursement for the patients given access under the medical cannabis, uh, uh, are given access outside of the medical cannabis access program. Mm-hmm. Uh, the patients getting access at the moment, um, they're, they're not really getting reimbursed. As far as I know, anyway, uh, they're, they're not getting reimbursed. What's the score in Canada, Marge? You know, uh, medical cannabis, the, because you guys have a public health service as well, don't you? Like, like, is it covered, do you mean? Yeah. Do you have to pay for the cannabis medicine? What's the deal? I, As far as I know, I, you do. I think you do. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. TG used to have to pay, pay for some, but I think it's got yeah, and like, the you do tax, pay reduce, for tax reduction or something. Yeah, you might get like some type, kind of tax credit or something like that. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do you pay for a lot of your own drugs anyway? Like whether it's cannabis or right. anything, unless you have a drug plan, mm-hmm. which I don't have. So I pay if I need a prescription for something, I have to pay out of pocket for it. Wow. Yeah. That shit's expensive too nowadays. Good damn. It can get. It can be. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So. Congratulations, Georgia. Another step forward. So places move forward, places go backwards. Well, I don't think any, anything really goes backwards. I think it's just a really slow movement forwards for most places. But isn't Thailand taking a step back possibly? I think Chilbert mentioned something about that. Yeah. In the chat. Yeah. We spoke about it recently on one of the shows as well. Thailand might be uh, re-illegalizing or, or stepping I, backwards with the restrictions. I think there was fears of that there, uh, but I think uh, the government um, that got, I think they had elections there not too long ago, mm. and uh, there was fears that a different government would have got in one that wouldn't have been as uh, supportive of it, but I believe the one that's in now has indicated that, like, yeah, they don't uh, intend to really change anything that's going <clears> to <throat> interfere with what's going on over there at the moment from from my understanding. Now I'm open to correction on that, but that's what I've been mm-hmm. uh, informed on yeah man so that's the cannabis news that we have for you this week everybody um we look forward to getting more uh, articles in next week when everybody returns hopefully sorry what was that mate i give you one more piece out of ireland yeah sure yeah just uh there there was a guy given a a 250 euro fine here recently at his home raided and they found five euros worth of cannabis in this guy's home and he and he got a 250 euro fine for it this Fuck. guy is a thirty-year-old man, and and they named him. They they gave his address in the article and the whole lot. Uh, so like, not only they doxed him, they doxed for five, exactly for five euros of of weed. For five euros, Jesus, fucking hell! Yeah, so that that was only just the other day in in Ireland uh, that this happened. Um, like you know, this this guy is just going to be you know freaked now going forward because. Uh, yeah, two hundred and fifty euro for five euros worth of weed. That's what? What's that? Fifteen? No, twenty five times the value of the the can of so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's like it's more than that. It's what, fucking forty five, fifty times, fifty times, uh, fifty times five, two hundred and fifty. That's a that's a stupid amount of fucking money, man. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and and to dox him as well like that. So, 
you know, you're just going to feel unsafe at your own house, aren't you, if you dox the publicly like that. Yeah, yeah, so that that's what goes on here in Ireland for the courts, and it seems that this is what's going to continue here now as well. Damn. Um, we, they also had a, another one, one more there from Ireland. Uh, we, we had a UK man land at the, the airport here Friday, and he got picked up by the Gardaí at the airport uh, in connection with a seizure that happened here over four years ago when uh, a load of cannabis was discovered underneath uh, shipments of vegetables. Bro. Um, uh, this guy is a UK national. He's 61 years of age as well, apparently. Fucking um, hell. He's been held above there in Dublin now in connection with the seizure and it's going to be brought to court and stuff. like. No, what have got to hold a grudge for, man? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, four years ago, they, they, they nabbed him at the airport and uh, now he's going to be up. But again, who, who's benefiting from all of this? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 3.2 million worth of cannabis. But guys, I just sorry to tell you, like, they didn't interrupt the supply at all. It's always been available. Yeah. They need to try a new method, man. Try the whole legalizing and regulating. Like, it's worked for everything else. <laughs> Let's see if it will work for drugs. You know, it's it's just stupid that we're still in this position after yeah, this amount you, of time. If a sixty-one-year-old man, three point two million, so he should be looking at a minimum mandatory here in Ireland of ten years. I think it is. Um, yeah. Like he'd be seventy-one apparently when he's getting out. Like, uh, are we equipped to be really taking care of people at that that age of their life just because they're involved in a bit of cannabis? Like, mm. surely better things to be doing. Like, like uh, if, if he was actually a danger to people in society, lock him up. But it's a danger to nobody. Right. Hmm. Stupidness, man. You know, but it's bound to end soon enough. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, we're just uh, a couple of pieces of forum news here. We still haven't heard anything from Bubblehawk, so it's been like six weeks since we haven't heard anything from him now. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna chase him down and try and figure out where the fuck he is and make sure that he's okay. And as soon as we hear something from him, we'll let you all know. So, uh, you know, when we know, you will know. And there we go, everybody. That's this week's cannabis news and events. And as usual, if you see any news stories throughout the week that you want us to cover on next week's show, then do feel free to send them to us. You can contact us via email at highonhomegrown at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, X, and Instagram. And you can also obviously find us on percysgrowroom.com, our cannabis growers forum. So join us over there if you're not a member already. And also we have the Discord server, which is in the link of this download. So just go to wherever you downloaded this episode from. Go to the description of the episode and you'll see the link for the Discord. And you can join us over there for free as well. So thanks as always for being here. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Cannabis News and Events. And thanks to Martin for coming to join us and let us know what was going on in Ireland as well. That was very cool. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you on the next one, which is an interview on Wednesday. Stay high, stay safe. And we'll see you then. Goodbye. Oh, what are you doing?